Hello, I'm Dick Foth, and I'd like to welcome you to Known, stories to make sense of it all. And these stories are what I call walking books, real-life people, different places, different ages, different cultures, and I want to have some conversations with them across disciplines and generations and cultures in order to encourage a kind of knowing, uh, fresh lenses through which to see the world. One of those lenses will be scripture, or more specifically, Jesus of Nazareth, whose life, I believe, changed the course of the history of the world. So, thanks for listening in. Great to have you with us. Well, here we are, and I am sitting with my friend Mark Batterson by a lake in southern Virginia. Good morning, Mark. Good morning. And it's and it's uh, it's about seven o'clock, and you can hear the ambient sounds of crickets and cicadas and birds in the background. So it's it's a little different ambient sound than uh, Capitol Hill in well, DC. The, <laughs> you know, I I, most mornings I wake up and it's garbage trucks and sirens. And, it was a, exactly. And uh, car alarms, yes. <laughs> this, I'd rather be alarmed by the sounds of, a, of birds. This is yes. great. So you're not a Virginia guy. You're not a D.C. guy. You are a Minnesota guy, yeah, historically. Yes. Where were you born in Minnesota? I was born at uh, Swedish Hospital. Doesn't exist anymore. Right. Uh, Actually, not far to, to locate it, not far from uh, North Central University, about oh, okay. two blocks from there. In, in Minneapolis? In Minneapolis. Okay. And uh, grew up in a little town called New Hope. And our whole extended family lived there. Um, my grandfather was the first municipal judge of Fridley, Minnesota, uh, taught at the University of Minnesota. And taught for one year at Northwestern uh, when Billy Graham was the president. Oh so goodness. we have deep roots in yeah. Minnesota. Uh, most of the blood coursing through my veins is Swedish, even though I don't know that I look uh, Swedish. <laughs> um, that's uh, that's, that's my my uh, roots. Well, and just for those who are listening, this is not Northwestern University in Chicago that Billy was. It was a small yes. college, sort of religious college back yep. in the day, yep. right? Yep. That's yep. great. But you you left Minnesota when? Uh, we moved when I was in the second grade, mm-hmm. uh, just one state over uh, to Wisconsin, and that's where I got a little bit of cheese in my blood. Wow. And then from there, in the sixth grade, moved down to the Chicago area. And so I really say I grew up in Chicago. I mean, that's right. those were the formative years and uh, moved there about. About the same time that Michael Jordan was drafted by the Bulls. There you go. <laughs> there you go. And uh, so I, I like deep dish pizza. I don't miss the weather in the winter. No, but you but you like the Bulls, and you have this anomaly where you like the Green Bay Packers. Is that correct? <laughs> it, that right? it, it is. And to even make it stranger, I like the Vikings too. No oh, one. No, Dick, no one can understand how I could like both of those teams. Yes. And you know what I tell them? Yes. To anybody who has more than two children, do you love them both? Well, there you go. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> there you go. Uh, <laughs> That's good. So your your journey with Jesus. When did that start? Yeah. Well, I you know I grew up early memories of going to church, a covenant church. So, so you're kind a church of a, guy, Swedish covenant. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know. Um, okay. But the moment for me was my parents took me uh, and my brother to see a film, I think at a church downtown Minneapolis. I would have been about five years old. Yeah. It was a Billy Graham film called The Hiding Place. Oh, yeah. And in retrospect, I'm thinking, what were my parents thinking taking me to a movie about the Holocaust? You know, I'm five years old. But after that movie, I asked my mom if I could ask Jesus into my heart. My goodness. And uh, she tucked me into bed that night. And that was a moment. That was a defining moment for me. And so, um, as you know, one of my life goals is to make a movie. And and I think part of that is because when you've been impacted in a certain way, let's say by the medium of a movie, then I think you naturally want to flip that and do the same thing for someone else. And so uh, that was the beginning of a journey. And uh, But in reality, though, Dick, I would say that really for the first 19 years, it was more about me inviting Jesus to follow me. Sure, I get that. And, and then it kind of flipped it. How'd 19. that go? Well. No. <laughs> let, me, let me just make a comment about The Hiding Place. You know, that's for those who don't know, it's a story of a, of a woman and her family. Uh, her extended family. Her name was Corrie Ten Boom. She lived outside Amsterdam in a in a in a village area called Harlem, and the family believed that Jews were God's chosen people, and they hid them during the Holocaust. She ended up going to Ravensbrück, getting out uh, on the surface by a clerical error, and uh, became a well-known speaker, Corrie Ten Boom. And um, last year or two years ago. Uh, we have this thing where we take our 13-year-old grandchildren somewhere in the world and use retirement money and tell our kids, you know, you don't get this. We're taking your, <laughs> take, taking your, our grandkids somewhere. And uh, this one, Hope Clements from Eugene, Oregon, had read Anne Frank's book, The Diary of Anne Frank. She wanted to go there. We also went to Harlem, and her favorite place was going to that watch shop and going upstairs and seeing the closet where they hid these folks. Mm. And uh, it was a powerful time. Wow. And, and Corrie Ten Boom actually died in the United States. And my mother is buried in Fairview, I think it's Fairview Cemetery in Santa Ana, California. Yeah. And uh, her body lies 100 feet or so from where Corrie Ten Boom's. Uh, really? Isn't that something? That is something. It's, you know, <laughs> one of my, my favorite uh, Corrie Ten Boom stories is... And when she spoke, she yes. would sometimes like look down and people couldn't figure out what she was doing, but she was a uh, needlepoint. She was like knitting something together and she would hold it up, but the side with all the jumble of threads yes. and, and, you know, essentially say that this is what life looks like from our vantage point. And then yeah. she would flip it over oh, and yeah. show the design. And, yeah, that's cool. you know, from God's perspective, this is what it looks like. And, you know, I've often thought like, how, how in the world does God use a, a woman named Corey Tenboom who, you know, experiences tremendous suffering and loss to somehow, reach a boy in Minneapolis, Minnesota. I mean, that's just only in the sovereignty of God. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Amazing. 
you know, you, you've all you, you've said for some years that that I know more trivia than anybody. You know, I don't know if that's absolutely true, but here's a trivia piece yes. for you. Corey Ten Boom was the first female licensed watchmaker in Holland. That I did not there, know. There you go. I told wow. you something you didn't know, Batterson. Wow. <clears throat> That's wow. great. Okay. You are a reader. I go to your office, which is not very large, up above Ebenezer's Coffee House, 2nd and F Street, northeast in D.C., about a, a long block from Union Station. I walk in, and it's hard to find a place to sit for all the stacked books. They're not just neatly in the shelves. i got to tell you, your office is a jumble of words. Is that fair? <laughs> it's, it's very fair. <laughs> I ran out of shelf space a long time ago. So, so when, did you, when did you know you were a reader? Well, you know, growing up, I, I wasn't. Okay, uh, I didn't know I, that. Through high school... I mean, I don't think I read but half a dozen books that weren't assigned for a class. And then my senior year of college, something snapped. It was actually on a, on a basketball trip, a road trip. Yeah. And I picked up an 800-page biography of Albert Einstein. Good grief. And loved it. And... Uh, started reading and developed this voracious appetite to read. I think the second book was uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. Those two books, uh, when you visit my office, sure. sit in a special place. Einstein and Carnegie because, right next uh, to each other. Yep, and, and those two books, I think, made me fall in love with Reading and uh, with life. And by the way, it's in that book that, you know, it's Einstein who said, uh, never lose a holy curiosity. Uh, And I love the juxtaposition of those two words, holy and curiosity. And I I think it's very appropriate. So, Mm. and I never have. Isn't that Uh, something? So I've got science shelf, business shelf. uh, You know, I'm I'm interested in about everything. Yeah, you are. Fascinating. That's good. So you're a reader. But there are a gazillion readers, but precious few writers. Um, when did you, when did you start putting pen to paper or fingers to keyboard, whatever, to write things? Yeah, two two things happened when I was twenty two and in seminary. One was just a distinct moment of calling that. I, I felt like in that still small voice, God was calling me to be a voice to my generation. And I interpreted that as God calling me to write. Hmm. Uh, I remember exactly where I was in the seminary chapel, uh, just pacing and praying. Hmm. And But then that's coupled with, and I can't remember if the assessment or aptitude assessment was before or after, but, you know, in graduate school, you take this assessment that tells what you're good at, what you're not, and what you should do and what you shouldn't. Bottom line is, you know, the assessment said, whatever you do, don't write. (laughs) <laughs> it, it's it is not a it is not a natural gifting. It, it's it well there, it just isn't. There, there goes Myers Briggs um, and Strength Finders. And <laughs> um, so y- you know you know this, but what happened is I you know over thirteen years I read three thousand books. Wow. 
and so I read 3,000 books before I wrote one. But what I did is I think I wasn't just reading for content or to learn. I was really um, reverse engineering, especially the books I liked. For style? Yeah, for, for style and and just, you know, what really impacted me as a reader and then how can I flip that yeah. and perhaps do that as a writer? Yeah. It's... Um it's it's interesting to me that um, when we met, I think you were 26, I was 51 or two or something, maybe a little older than that, and uh, we hadn't known each other very long, and one day you had asked me about a book that Ruth and I had written. It wasn't a tremendously well-written book, but it was our heart. It was called When the Giant Lies Down. And uh, I didn't know anything about marketing or any of that kind of stuff. But you and and you said to me, uh, Dick, I think I'm supposed to write. I want to be a writer. And knowing a little bit about how hard it was to write, in my head, I said, you know, in in my words, I said, really? Well, okay. In my head, I was <laughs> saying, yeah, right. <laughs> so now here we are. <laughs> 20-some years down the road, 20 years down the road, and there are millions of people around the world reading things you have written, everything from uh, books on prayer to vision to commitment to just, you know, 15 titles. How, how many books now? Yeah, 15. 15 titles. And, and we had the privilege of penning one together called Trip Around the Sun, and that was yep. great fun. Yep. And, uh, and Susanna, our daughter, helped frame that a bit. My, Ruth and my daughter. So, uh, in a in a day in a day when cursive, literal writing, is going away in our culture, and I you know I think to myself, how in the world, a generation down the road, are we going to sign our names? Are we back to X's or what? We, you know, but, but this is just an old guy talking. Um, what's your advice to a young person? Let's say that we have a high school or a university student listening to us today. Mm. What's, what are your thoughts, your words, just about the practice of writing? And, and I'll frame it this way. That, that's the question. Mm. But when I'm with you, you're always, virtually without exception, carrying a moleskin book or a, a journal, some kind of writing pad, and you're in conversation, you make notes. Well, and the team, the, the other folks on the team, I look around and they're mimicking you in, in that. And last year when I came to speak here in D.C., I happened to sit down by your son, who was 14 or 15, and he had a pad and he was writing in it. What's all that about? <laughs> <laughs> you, you, all you guys have bad memories or what's the deal? By the well, way, all of us have bad memories. Uh, yes, yeah. yes. You know, I think it's Benjamin Franklin, I think, who first said that the shortest pencil's longer than the longest memory. Oh, that's and cool. So you made that up right no, there. <laughs> gave it to Ben Franklin. <laughs> when in doubt, it's either Ben Franklin or C.S. Lewis. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I I really I think it's a spirit. I think it's a biblical principle. It's Second Corinthians ten five that mm. uh, um, take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. The way that I take things captive is with pen and paper. Uh -huh. And so I've journaled uh, really since 
high school. Now, my high school journal, all I was capturing was how many points I scored uh, in the most recent <laughs> basketball game. But, you know, that matured over the years. And so in chapel, in college, and then now, uh, I yeah, I rarely meet with anyone that I don't have a journal and a pen handy because mm-hmm. I forget stuff like, crazy i don't have the capacity to just remember you you remember details i I think you're this unique exception that um somehow you take notes in your brain well i think some of my details i make up (laughs) you got to fill in the gaps you know (laughs) but uh you know for me those journals are are pretty critical uh you know, G- Jesus in in the Gospels, the only, I think the only place we see him writing is in the sand when yeah. you have that exchange uh, with the woman caught in the act of adultery. We could say that the Father and Son, by the Spirit, wrote all of the all of the scriptures that we have. But his close associates wrote letters, and because they wrote letters, we have that that not just the information, but the inspiration and the direction from from. Uh, uh, scripture. So, your your ability to distill ideas into memorable phrases is, I think, uh, not only a gift, but in a soundbite um, era, it fits. It it matches the times we are in. Uh, as a as a person who's on my seventy sixth trip around the sun. Uh, I, I think about distilling things, first of all, because you just can't cover the waterfront the way you used to, one used to, but, but because there are precious few things that make life work. So I think of distillation in that sense. But you've got dozens of what, what I would call succinct phrases. Share with us two or three of those, and I want to ask you some questions about it. So give us one. Yeah. Well, love people when they least expect it and least deserve it. Uh, And this isn't original to me, but work like it depends on you. Pray like it depends on God. Okay. Let's Um, let's come back to the first one. Just a minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So love people when they least expect it and least deserve it. Uh, Where did that come from? Was that from an experience or did that come from a scripture or... Both, what, what? Yeah, you know, I think it's I think it's the woman caught in the act of adultery. This this the, moment we were just where, talking about. Yeah, yeah the the Jesus she doesn't expect it, right? Because everybody else is ready to stone her, right? And might not deserve it. I I don't know. According yeah. to Jewish law, she had you know yeah. Jesus certainly is what she did was wrong, mm-hmm. but. In a moment when she least expected it, least deserved it, Jesus steps in and, and, and essentially says, you can stone her over my dead body. Hmm. I mean, what an incredible moment. That will imprint you forever. And, and you know, I've had a few experiences like that with uh, in my life. That those are the things that really impact us when... When someone loves us in that way, and my experience in talking to people over the years and listening, and even our experience in being out on this lake in a boat with some of our colleagues, 
when you ask them what were defining moments in your life, virtually without exception, a moment when I received grace, if you will, especially when we were younger. I don't know if we need more grace when we're younger. Probably not. We need more grace when we're older. But but they, that is a... That's a profound thing. Mm. When I least expect it, least deserve it. Okay, yeah. another and, one. And by the way, yeah. I'm the well, since you bring up the you know subject of grace, yeah. uh, when when I read First uh, John chapter one, you know where it says Jesus was full of grace and truth. Right. Grace means I'll love you no matter what. Right. Truth means I'll be honest with you no matter what. That's cool. So, you know, I, I don't know where it comes from, but I, I tend to think about things in a parallel fashion or kind of almost a two-sided coin. Um, so uh, an insult from a fool is probably a compliment, and a compliment from a fool is probably an insult. Um, <laughs> so it's just, it's, it's, uh, and I see that in scripture. You know, I think you see it in the Proverbs. I was going to um, say, you'd, if, if we were writing scripture today and you were one of the chosen ones, you'd probably be great in the Proverbs, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I probably need a little bit more wisdom to be, but uh, yeah, yeah. The, the idea of living in kind of, a, as a friend of mine would say, in a in a binary world, where you have this juxtaposed over against that, that kind of um, juxtaposition of words or ideas really comes through when both in your writing and in your and in your speaking. And Anyway, it's just a great help. Any any other particular phrases that you like? You said one other one there, and I went back and sort of said, let's go back to the first yeah, one. Yeah, I, I mean, there are just, we have certain core values and core convictions that we say all the time. Like? And, well, if you stay humble and stay hungry, there's nothing God can't do in you mm, or through you. Mm. I believe that. But, you know, I think what I've tried to do to the best of whatever ability God's given me is how can I phrase this in the most memorable way? Mm. And that's, you know, to me, the gold standard is Jesus. I mean, the, the parables, most of them are less than 250 words, but here and once you'll remember them forever because, you know, they're, they're, they're genius. Uh, you know, faith is like a, mustard seed and then you know boom uh, it just you know Jesus ability to communicate things in in such a simple way Oliver Wendell Holmes right. said that there's simplicity on the near side of complexity and there's simplicity on the far side of complexity so I'm not advocating you know little maxims that haven't been thought through that haven't been wrestled with what, what I'm after is uh, far side Complexity or far side simplicity, where um, well, take 613 laws in the Old right. Testament. Uh, one great commandment love God, heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbors yourself. Distillation. I mean, unbelievable, right? right? Right. Yeah. There you go. Well, and he always, he always, Jesus always uses metaphors oftentimes that are connected to nature and, you know, and, and, if he numbers the hair on your hairs on your head, which for some of us is less of a chore, <laughs> <laughs> or or if a sparrow falls, 
he he knows you know that I, I don't understand how all that works but I think as we wrap up this um, this time together I think we should you and I not use any of our words anymore for just a moment and let's listen to some sparrows and larks and so forth in the in the background so I'm just gonna wrap this up thanks for being with me mark thanks Dick <laughs> <laughs>